I really struggled with selling my paintings, just like emotionally, because I felt really guilty making people pay money for something I really liked doing. And I remember this person saying, they are not only paying for the canvas with the paint on it, they are paying for the number of years that you've you know, done training. They're paying for your studio space and they are paying for like you to be alive and healthy and well enough to be inspired to like create things basically. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Today's guest is artist Blakely Little of Blakely Made. And I'm really excited about this episode because Blakely is the first artist that we've had on the show. Krista actually has one of her paintings hanging right next to her desk. We've known Blakely since she was in high school, and it's been really fun watching her career evolve, especially recently. If you were to walk into an anthropology store today, you would find a line of dishware with Blakely's art on it. So in this episode, we chat about making a living as an artist and her recent collaboration with anthropology. But even if you're not an artist, there is so much great insight from Blakely in this episode about creative work from staying inspired to creating even when you don't feel like it and more. Before we get to the interview, I want to mention that Blakely is trying to get a picture of someone holding something from her collaboration product line with Anthropology in every store across the US. So if you have an Anthropology near you, head on over there, take a picture with something from the line, and be sure to tag at BlakelyMade in that picture. If you don't have an Anthropology store near you, you can find a link to those Anthropology products in the show notes so that you can check them out. Be sure to check out the show notes at DavyandKrista.com for the resources that we mentioned during this episode. And I'd like to hear from you about what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brands That Book podcast as we move forward. I'd also like to know what episodes you've enjoyed so far and why. So to leave your feedback, head on over to the Davy and Krista Facebook page and send us a message. Now on to the episode. All right, Blakely, thank you so much for joining me on the show this morning. I'm, I'm so glad that we are finally able to make this work. I know, I know. I'm happy to be here. We've got lots of fun things to talk about. I know you had a busy May, June. We also had a busy May, June. This is my first... <laughs> yeah, different reasons. <laughs> yeah, different reasons. This is my first episode back post-baby. Oh, well, congratulations to you and Krista. Yeah, thank you. Have to, baby, just... baby Jack is adorable. <laughs> thank you. We think so too. You know, but it's it's kind of we keep on we keep on asking ourselves, are we just biased? We're probably we're probably a little bit biased, but we think he's pretty darn cute. Maybe a little, but he is real cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been really excited for this interview uh, for a number of reasons. One, because we've known each other for a for a long time, and two, because you are the first artist that we've had on the show. And when I came up with a original list of people that I wanted to reach out to, Krista was actually, you know, you got to, you got to reach out to Blakely. And I thought that was, that'd be a great idea. So uh-huh. yeah, That's I'm fine. I'm glad that we finally got you out here. And then also going back to, I think, I think we met for the first time. You were either in high school or just graduated from high yeah. school, right? 
I think I was in high school still. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So we both we both have a background in Young Life and you were, I helped out. So we both are from this the same area. And I think you were a junior leader and I was a leader yep. and we share good mutual friends. So that was the first time. And I don't remember. And this is a perfect way to kind of kick off. We have so much uh, stuff to talk about. And for, for those of you who don't know Blakely, you can actually see her art in anthropology. And we're going to get to that. But just as a little teaser there, but this is a good a good segue to talk about. You know, how did you get into art? Because I don't remember back in when you were in high school. I don't remember that coming up necessarily, but I assumed that it was something you were interested in. Yeah, so I basically started taking painting class when I was in high school. I'd always been kind of crafty growing up, but never would say that like translated into like a major passion for art. And then in high school, started taking painting classes. Really loved it. And kind of going into college was thinking I was going to do business and marketing stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I really liked leadership, entrepreneurial stuff. And then found out when I got into the College of Charleston that they had an arts management program, which basically means you learn the business side of the arts. So you take economics, you take business law. So you take half your classes in the business school and then you're also taking art classes like gallery fundamentals, grant writing, all kinds of like nonprofit classes, and then also, you know, for-profit classes like marketing stuff. My favorite class in college was called Understanding Creativity. So it had a lot to do with understanding the mind and how how to kind of turn this into a job and how you, are, you know, become creative even when you're feeling uninspired or you know, things like that. And yeah, that sounds really, that sounds really interesting. So when you're, when you took on that major, did you think that you were going to go into art as a career, like no. as an artist, or did you think you were going to work in like, you know, a museum? I'm sure there's other things. Yeah. There's other things you could probably do with art than other than, than work in a museum, but. Right, right. <laughs> so what did you think you were going to be doing when you got out of school? Yeah. So I took on that major and then I had a minor in studio art and my minor in studio art was, you know, all your typical drawing painting classes. And that was just kind of for fun because I loved that outlet. So I did not think I was going to be an artist. I thought I would manage an artist or a few artists or work for a gallery. I never was super interested in doing a museum just because I am terrible with like memorizing history and all that <laughs> stuff. But gallery was kind of the direction I think I was probably headed in. And then that all kind of changed my junior year. So what happened your junior year that put you on this different trajectory towards you know being an artist yourself? I never really got to spend an entire semester or entire batch of classes working on my style, my art. And then I kind of randomly ended up in this really intense but amazing art program, like study abroad program in Florence, Italy. And I don't know what reason I had for wanting to go to this really intense school, but I got in kind of on a whim. <laughs> I guess they saw something in my portfolio that I did not see. <laughs> but I got to spend the semester taking all art classes. So I was in a marble sculpting class an advanced painting class and a photography class. And I was surrounded by these people that were in art school back in the U S and so they just had this kind of crazy way about them that their brain was so focused on 
their style and their art and everything they did kind of fed into that. And I loved it. I had this painting professor named Lorenzo. And That's a super Italian name, I feel like. Oh, yeah. It's a solid so Italian. Art Italian name, you know? <laughs> yeah. So Italian. He wore these like circle red glasses. He was <laughs> the best. But at the beginning of the semester, he was like super confused by me because I was this cheery little blonde girl in a bright pink coat that was playing James Taylor <laughs> in like this intense art school. And he's like, well, who is this girl? <laughs> but he kept telling me that he saw a lot of like joy in my personality and he just kept saying, I want to see your personality come out in your artwork. I was like, okay. So I just kind of let loose and painted things that I was seeing in Italy. And about halfway through the semester, he said, every time I talk to you, all you talk about is your family back home and how much you love them and growing up and how awesome that was. He was like, I think you should start to paint memories. And so I started painting these memories I had from growing up, just being on my family's back porch and going sailing with my dad and, and I should I should of... I should mention here too your your family's oh, yeah. I mean your family's back porch I mean it overlooks the Severn you know right. I mean yep. it overlooks the Severn River it's beautiful so yeah I just wanted to make sure that people have that context yes yes so that that kind of sparked this new style of mine that was really impressionistic had a ton of color just all I like to use a lot of shades of one color kind of build up into a bigger color. And that's kind of where it all started. And, and when I was leaving Italy, Lorenzo said to me, you know, you are my star of this semester because you've grown so much. And that just like changed everything for me because I felt like all of a sudden my work had a purpose and it felt like me and it felt that joy that I kind of have was coming out into my work and people were seeing that. And so that's when I started to think, okay, maybe I could do this for real. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, it's just so great too, that you have somebody like Lorenzo that could speak so positively in your, in your oh, life, right. you know, and really, you know, change things from there real quick. I have to ask, because that wasn't the only class you took. You said, did you say marble sculpting? Yes, I took marble sculpting. How did that turn out? Oh my gosh. That was like one of my favorite classes. We actually got to go to the marble quarries in Carrera. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Lost my Italian accent. <laughs> but it's where Michelangelo would go to pick out his marble. It's beautiful white marble for all of his sculptures. And the funny thing was, is we're like walking up this gravel road. And then I realized this road isn't gravel. It is just tiny chunks of marble. <laughs> I feel like that's the most expensive place in the world. Exactly. And also the most so, expensive class. Yeah. So we, but the cool thing was we got to pick little pieces of marble um, that were kind of this, just these leftover pieces and take them back to the studio and um, we hand carved marble. I'm of course made a little sailboat and I, <laughs> I carved the bottom so that it rocks. So when you like push it, it doesn't tip over, but it rocks back and forth. Do you still have uh -huh. that? Oh yeah. I love that thing. <laughs> and have you been back to Italy since uh, this trip? I have not. You know, Curtis, my husband, spent a summer there. And so we've been traveling like to other places. And we keep saying we need to go back because I've never he was a lifeguard in Cinque Terre for a summer. Mm -hmm. And so he wants to show me that area. I obviously want to show Florence to him. So we're, we're definitely have the, the trip in our mind, but we just haven't 
booked the tickets yet. Yeah, for sure. So getting yeah. back, so getting back to this transition. All right. Yeah. So you get back home or back to Charleston rather. And was it really what Lorenzo said that, that made you think, okay, I can, you know, I can do this as a living, you know, I can make a living being an artist or were there other things that, that contributed to that transition? I would say that when I got back, I was kind of going back and forth. And then Luli Wallace, um, who is an incredible artist, and then Teal Duncan, another incredible artist. The two of them were my friends because we went to the same church. And they were a couple of years ahead of me. And I, I came into their studio and was showing them my work. And I'd been I'd worked for Luli while I was in college and was helping Teal out with show she was doing and you know they were complimentary on my work and it was really sweet and then the next day you know when I came back Teal said to me Lily and I were talking and we really think that you could do this and I was like what do you mean and she was like we've seen your work and we really think that if you pushed it like you could be an artist so that was kind of they had the business side down Mm -hmm. and the art side. And Lorenzo really encouraged my art side and the business side is something I already kind of enjoyed. So their words to me of encouragement kind of were the ones that basically gave me the gut to just go for it. And they said, just paint, you know, 20, 15 to 20 paintings of one thing that you love and see what happens. And so that's what I did all my last year of college was just, I painted a lot of pieces, this kind of odd, but of the port here in Charleston, Mm -hmm. I really liked like the industrial lines of the port against the really organic lines of the water. And so I painted a lot of that and then kind of moved into, okay, well, what inspires me the most? And I feel most at home by the water. And so I was painting sailboats and all kinds of harbor scenes. And so I just kind of pushed that and pushed that and pushed that until I thought I could never paint a boat again. (laughs) And then they came and looked at it all and kind of helped me critique what they thought was great and what was not so great. And that really was the first step I took towards becoming a real artist. Is that something you still practice today? So like when you, when you decided I could, you know, I could do this as I could be an artist. I mean, how many paintings do you produce that nobody ever sees? Yeah. That's the funny part is everyone's thinks that I just crank out a ton of pieces and sell them all. I'm like, well, there's usually, I would say there's usually maybe like five or so that never end up anywhere for every one that you per create series, per series, per series. So usually, basically the way I work is I'll come up with an idea for a new series. I'll do probably like five to eight and then hate some of them and love some of them. And the ones that I love, I'll then like push in that direction and do 10 more, 20 more. But the ones that I hate, you know, I throw away or paint over basically. Sure. And, and that, I mean, that's time consuming. So, you know, five sounds like maybe a small number, but I assume that, I assume that it doesn't take you, you know, 10 minutes to, to crank out. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a day's worth of work, which that's, that's one of the frustrating parts is on the day where you feel like, you know, you didn't accomplish anything because you don't love what you produced at the end of it. But then days come along where you, you can produce, you know, two or three smaller pieces all in one day and you love all of them. So it kind of 
fluctuates. But I also think that there's a valuable lesson in there just about creating, you know, creating yeah. all the stuff that doesn't work so that you can get to the stuff that does work. And I think I struggle with, uh, with this where I, I will sometimes sit and wait to create, you know, the perfect piece of content. But really what I need to do is maybe just start writing so that yeah. I can get to it, even though I'm going to trash most of it and I'm going to go right. back and revise a dozen times. That's what I kind of always tell people. I'm like, you need to mess up five times before you get to something good. Yeah. And that's the cool thing is in my studio right now, I watch, you know, Luli and Teal and I'm in the studio also with Raven, Roxanne and Jane Pope Jewelry. But all of them are older than I am and they still do the same thing. I mean, they start on a series and by the end, the first piece, piece looks totally different than the last piece. And sometimes they pitch the first piece or paint over it. And to some people, it might seem like it's a great painting, but to us, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. You know, the way our mind works, we're like, nope, this is not good. <laughs> sure, sure. So tell me about the, the business side of things and, and where you started. You know, like, is there... Other than pricing, like where do you start in terms of deciding, okay, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make a business out of my art? Yeah. So that was kind of more the arts management side. I learned so much about marketing. Um, I remember in one class, an artist came in and spoke and I really struggled with selling my paintings just like emotionally because I felt really guilty making people pay money for something I really liked doing. Mm -hmm. And I remember this person saying they are not only paying for the, the canvas with the paint on it, they are paying for the number of years that you've, you know, done training. They're paying for your studio space and they are paying for like you to be alive and healthy and well enough to be inspired to like create things basically. So it just made me realize like how much bigger this it was than just a piece of canvas with, you know, some paint on it. So that's when I started to realize like, okay, if I can't make a living off of this, then it's not going to go anywhere. And then my art will kind of just end, you know, it just mm -hmm. is going to stay something fun that I do rather than like anything bigger than myself. So I would say, you know, that was kind of the first thing that pushed me in the direction of like pricing things and just learning how to do that so that I wasn't, I also, you know, never want to demean someone else's art. And so mm -hmm. I think when it's your own, you're like, eh, it's not worth <laughs> that much. But, you know, I, one of my favorite things to spend money on is art because I love it. I mean, it, I, the pieces I have in my home, I see different things in it every day and I mean, I, I adore it. So I have to understand that other people think that way about my work. And that was just like a slow process for me because I'm like, surely not. <laughs> so at what point did, at what point did someone buy your, do you remember selling your first piece of artwork? Yes. Or so, first, first piece of art? Yeah, I have two stories. So I would say uh, that summer after I went to Italy, I tried to sell a couple pieces and so my my kindergarten teacher from growing up, she bought my first like piece of artwork that I sold. And it was kind of this flower painting and it was just really sweet. She came to my house and she'd seen it online or whatever. And 
And she was, she loved it. So she bought that and that was really cool. And then that summer I sold a couple of smaller pieces, but didn't really have any direction with it. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of after graduating and I had done all those Harbor pieces that I talked about earlier and I put them up on a website that Krista made actually, (laughs) shout out to Krista (laughs) and I put them up there and I think Teal like Instagrammed about me or something. Mm -hmm. And I woke up one morning and two pieces had sold to this woman in Michigan. And I lost my damn (laughs) mind. I was so excited. It was like two pieces. I'm sure they were like 50 bucks each. And I was like, a hundred dollars. Here we come. Like we're doing it, baby. (laughs) So, so how did you transition to, I mean, so how did you start pricing your work? Because, you know, I think maybe there's stuff on your website now that's a little bit closer to $50, but there's also stuff that's, you know, well over a thousand dollars, right. On your, uh, on your website now. So how did you, how'd you go about, you know, figuring out what to price your work at? Yeah. So I basically price it all at size because some people price it by the amount of time that they spend on Mm -hmm. artwork on a certain piece. But for me, some pieces in hours and sometimes it takes days. So I kind of, I always like to say I I sort of paint and then get frustrated and move on to another piece. And then sometimes I can step back and I feel like I hit this sweet spot where I'm like, I know what this painting is going to look like. Uh Uh-huh. And then I just kind of can crank it out really quickly because I can see it and and it makes sense and the light is going in the right direction and the colors are starting to work. And so if I did it by time, it just like wouldn't really make sense because sometimes you hit that sweet spot really early and sometimes it takes forever. So I do it all by size and I can paint like generally pretty quickly. So like if I'm doing smaller pieces that are like five by five, I can probably do three or four of those in a day and I work on them all at once. Mm-hmm. So, so those, I, I like to price things almost at, just at a lower price point because, um, or not a lower price point, but just a reasonable price point because I can paint quickly and I am not working through a gallery for my main income. So I sell on my website or through my studio and that means I don't have to split commission with anybody. So that's kind of the way it, it works. It's all by size. Do you also take commissions as well? Like, uh, and I, I don't even know if I'm phrasing this right, but you know, basically, can somebody hire you to create a custom? Yes. Piece. Yeah. How does that How does that work? I only do commissions that are larger, or you have multiple like s- small pieces, just because a little bit more time consuming but basically if you have a scene that you love then you can email me and I send you this commission guidelines and pricing and then we decide on a size and a photo or if you don't want me to work from a photo and you've just seen the piece of mind that you love then we work through colors and then I'll do a sketch and then paint it paint the piece and then send the client an image of that and then have the client approve it or they get like two rounds of changes. And then once we get that final approval, I, I have people pay half up front. Mm-hmm. And then once I get that final approval, they pay the second half and then ship it to them. And do you, and do you only like, does it have to be a coastal scene? No, no, it doesn't. Okay. I think generally people like think of me 
in that realm. Yeah, that's a, that's what comes to mind for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite commis- commissions that I did was there was a woman who reached out to me and her father had passed away. And so they decided that after this particular Christmas that they were going to sell the family home and the mom was going to move into one of the kids' houses. But they lived on the marsh and it was this like gorgeous low country view. So they had me paint this low country scene and the, they gave them the mom a, the original painting for Christmas. And then I was able to get prints made of the piece that were given to each one of the kids for, Mm -hmm. as a Christmas gift as well. And it's just sweet when you, when you know the story behind it. And that just like meant so much to them to have this not only like I always say like a photograph can capture so much, but then sometimes a painting you like, if you describe the feeling, you can try and capture that feeling in the painting. And I guess you can do that with a photograph too, but I love like thinking about, okay, there's a little bit of nostalgia in this and how can we sort of capture this feeling that they're having about this view into this piece? Yeah, I would, I would think with a painting, and you can do this with a photograph a little bit, but maybe in a different way, you can mm-hmm. almost editorialize a little bit more of the scene yes. than you can do with a with a photograph. Yeah, I mean, it's easy in a painting to make the water pink, not so easy in a photograph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. So how did how did you begin to market your art? I mean, was it all word of mouth? I mean, I know you have great I mean, I would, from from my point of view, at least, it seems that you have great word of mouth now. But was it through, I mean, what are some of the things that you as an artist did to get to get word out there? Yeah, so I kind of started this business when it was a little bit easier on Instagram to get a following. The algorithm now, it gets like a little bit more complicated. But I feel like I got into Instagram sort of at a good time and then really reached out to bloggers and people like interior designers in Charleston that had an influence and just kind of pitched myself to them and my work and got feedback from them and tried to build those connections. And every one of those like little features would start to create this sort of excitement around my work and people started talking about it. And so then it slowly but surely kind of started to take off. But I would say it definitely started with blogs and Instagram. And as far as building relationships go with those other, with you know, interior designers and so on in, in your area, what did that look like? Did you just send them an email? Yeah, I, I basically sent them an email with a couple of photos of my work and said, you know, I take commissions and here's kind of the next two upcoming series that I have going on. I offer a like interior design discount and... Yeah, it kind of just started there. And then through them, you get I got contacted or connected with a couple little shops in the area. Um, so started selling prints through them. And I think also majorly lucked out being friends with Luli and Teal and Raven because they, like I said, they were really awesome artists that were a little bit ahead of me. And just being friends with them and being associated with them, that kind of helped me gain a following. Um, right off the bat. <clears throat> yeah. And you've done, you've done uh, art shows back here in Annapolis as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I've done art shows in a couple cities. Basically I've had, you know, the typical like gallery art artist relationship is 
more of a long-term show that lasts a couple weeks or a month or whatever. And I do that in cities where I don't feel like I have a super great connection or good following. And then in cities where I do feel like that, like Annapolis being from there or here in Charleston, then I'll do either like a one day or a weekend sort of pop-up show and kind of run that all myself. Yeah. So that's really interesting. I assume that when you run these weeks long show, are you, you don't necessarily have to be there all the time, right? You can kind of hang your art in a place and then people can go and look, look at it. Totally. Yeah. So I just did one in Cape Cod, a market that I haven't really tapped into, but I feel like would fit my work really well. So I did that. That was a month long show and then ended up doing some smaller travel paintings from that. But because I kind of gained a following while I was there, the these little Cape Cod pieces sold really well and the pieces in the show sold pretty well. And so just there, the gallery's connection in that area is super valuable to me because they're kind of tapping into this market that I don't know super well. And when you sell in a gallery, do you have to split a commission with somebody? Yeah, yeah, I split okay, it with usually the, 50-50. Okay, with the gallery. So, yeah. it's, so it's helpful if you go up to Cape Cod, let's say, and, you, and you, your art sells pretty well then I assume that helps the relationship, right? Because the gallery's, you know, trying to make money as well. Yeah, exactly. So generally that's because, you know, 50% for for me, for painting the pieces, coming up with the creative idea, yada, yada. And then 50% for them because they work towards doing all the marketing and bringing in the clients and making the, the sale at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So do you stick to coastal towns because that's really you know, a lot of your work is based on coastal scenes. Yeah, mostly, but I've, I've done a show, done, done shows in Raleigh and in Charlotte before, but generally people that live there sort of have connections to the low country, Charleston, or just the East coast in general. So like that kind of people still like understand and feel connection to the work, even though they live inland. I also have done stuff in Atlanta, but yeah, I think I think most people generally have some sort of connection to the coast and hopefully feel something when they're there and that my artwork maybe reminds them of that. Yeah. Well, let's transition to talking about anthropology because one thing I I think I remember of you back in the day, so to speak, is that you worked at an anthropology store. Yes, I did. Right? So now, I mean, just to give this some context, you can, somebody could walk into an anthropology store right now and find your art on plates bowls dish towels dish towels yeah so there's a whole Still line of stuff <laughs> what else dish so I, I i should maybe prevent krista from listening to this episode <laughs> because i think there's gonna you're gonna list so many more things than what we have already and we already have plates we already have bowls and and don't and we use them every every day oh that makes me so happy yeah so how did that come about i mean was this a connection you made back when you were working at anthropology store or was this something that it was pretty much totally unrelated to that. Yeah, like, I think it was totally unrelated, to be totally honest with you. I worked all through college, or I first interned with Anthro, the one in Annapolis, and did their display internship. So I was making all the window displays, and I loved it. I mean, it was like my favorite thing I've ever done. And kind of thought maybe I would do that after I graduated. And then the, the I actually worked doing floral design and then was kind of doing the painting thing at night and just never really got back to anthropology. I I always loved the company and loved working for them, but 
uh, and thought maybe I'd end up working there someday, but didn't. And so, you know, fast forward four years later, I'm, this is hilarious. No lie. Cleaning my bathroom floor, like scrubbing <laughs> on my knees, my bathroom floor, like feeling like Cinderella before she met her prince. And my phone blings and I got an email and I flip it over and it says anthropology. And I'm like, Oh, 20% off dresses, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever. And then I flip it back over and don't even think about it. And then I was like, Oh wait, the subject line said artist collaboration. And so of course I think, you know, it's just the local anthropology here. I used to work there and they want to so hang I, some of your art in the store or something yeah, like that. They yeah. want to like, you know, do a pop-up shop, whatever. I'm like, Oh sure. I'll, you know, so I look at it and then I see the first line and it says, hi Blakely, we've been following your work for a while. And, you know, we loved this series and wanted to do a dishware collection with your work on it. And with that, my eyes went cross-eyed and I couldn't <laughs> read the rest of the email because I was so excited. So What's I the first the thing email. you did? <laughs> so I forwarded the email to my husband and I called him and I was like, you have to read this email to me because I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> so he's reading it to me over the phone and he's freaking out and we're both screaming. And I mean, Anthro is like my favorite company. I love the way they create the designs for their stores. I love the way they work with artists. I love, you know, this display that they, you know, how the displays in every store is different. And so it was just such an easy yes, because it was such a dream come true because their aesthetic fits mine so well. And I was just thrilled. So the crazy thing though, was I, you know, I get this email, I immediately say yes. And they're like, okay, we need these 15 paintings you know, and they gave me like two weeks to come up with the paintings. Well, all the ones they wanted had already sold. So I had to recreate them in a way. Mm -hmm. And I was like panicked. I mean, this is the hardest I've ever worked in two weeks to create 15 paintings. And so they already knew they, they, you know, I mean, and they said they'd been following you for a while and I'd be so interested yeah. to know when they started following you, like, and, yeah, and who it was, <laughs> you know, and that would just be so interesting to me. And well, it's funny too, because at the beginning of every year, I create goals or just kind of dreams that I would like to happen for my business. And because I'm an extrovert and need somebody to talk to about this, usually Curtis and I have like a business meeting and I'm like, okay, you know, I don't have an assistant or anybody that works for me. So I'm like, I need you to talk through these goals with me. And one of the things Curtis said was, do you think you're ready to you know, promote your work or submit your work to a larger company like anthropology. And I was like, no, 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 I'm totally <laughs> not ready for that. And then literally one month later, beginning of February, they're like, and we've seen your work. I yeah. Like, that's, yeah. Oh man, that is, uh, that's awesome. Super cool. Yeah. So, um, so they had already seen, I mean, they, they'd obviously been following you. They'd seen your work. They, and they chose specific paintings that I guess were on your website. Did they just take screenshots yes. of them and send them over and say, Hey, we want these. Yep. That's pretty much what happened. You, so you said you had to recreate them. Why couldn't you just like print them and send them back? Yeah. So basically they take the original paint. I, I sent them the original paintings because they want to color match everything. Okay. So they want to see the real paint in real life and make sure what they're printing on their pillows or dish towels or whatever looks as similar to the colors as possible. 
And some of that was easier to do. And I just got high res photos taken of the paintings that I did and sent those over. But some of them I had to send, you know, the real paintings and they kind of took it from there. Yeah, that I mean, that's incredible. And I think, too, I mean, just to that speaks of, I think, anthropology's integrity towards the artist, right? I mean, because it's yes. easy for you to send something over via the computer and the colors to be off a little bit and them just kind of not care about it and do it in a in sort of a, you know, half-baked way. Uh, but they yeah, actually wanted to see the actual painting. They're really amazing about that. They're, you kind of get to be a part of the process of creating. And like there was one plate where that I really loved. It was the sailboat plate, but I was like, it, it looks off to me because it's a circle. And so I need you to move the image over like two inches. And they were like, Oh, that sounds great. You know, like they take your feedback and sometimes I suggest things and they're like, you know, we have the pieces in person and we think they look great this way. So you kind of have to trust them, but because they work really closely with you, you feel like you can. I always felt like they were taking care of my work really well. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's just incredible to hear because they're they're a massive company, you know. And yeah. and I I just think that sometimes when companies get that big, they can you know they can cut corners and yeah. And I, I think that's just incredible to hear that they took that much care of your work. And I guess in a way, I mean it's your, kind of your reputation on the line, right? Like if your work doesn't, totally. your work would then be printed in thousands of stores, and <laughs> you know in a way that that doesn't honor you know the original work and the work that you can create. Yeah. So that's just so incredible to hear that anthropology went through that process of working closely uh, with you and taking feedback from you. So, I mean, how did you go about promoting this? I mean, we've been following you forever. We have one of your larger pieces of artwork hangs right by Krista's desk. Aww. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we've been big fans for, for a long time now. And so, of course, when we first heard that your work was in anthropology, Krista went and ordered, you know, all of this <laughs> stuff. A lot of it, she, it's been her go-to gift uh, for piece, people recently. But beyond, you know, friends and family and people on Instagram who fo- follow you, how have you promoted this? Yeah. First of all, thank you. You guys are the best. Always been big supporters and I appreciate that. But yeah, so it's been really interesting. I kind of threw out a bunch of ideas of ways to promote this collaboration. And the one that really ended up sticking and kind of decided to run with was this idea of let's get a photo of somebody with my work in every anthropology store. There's over 200 stores in the U.S. And, you know, you can go into the stores, you can see a little display that has my dishware. And then there's a sign that says, you know, Blakely made. And then there is a little description about me. And so it's been really fun seeing all these. And then I guess, so I put it on my Instagram story and then people have been responding back with images of them with all the pieces. And it's been so fun seeing everybody in the different stores all over the U.S. And then I've even got some international ones, which has been kind of crazy. Somebody from Germany sent me one. A few friends of mine were in London and they saw it. So it's just, it's really interesting because it helps me to realize how much bigger all of this is than just, you know, this little studio that I'm in every day. But, but it's really fun because then, you know, I always say like the people I want to market to are the people the friends of the people that already love my work. And so mm-hmm. they're then posting on their Instagram story about my pieces. 
then it's it's likely that a couple of their followers will see it and be like, oh, you know, I enjoy this as well. And so it, it not only promotes my artwork, but it promotes the pieces and anthropology and the whole collaboration. Yeah, I think that was just an ingenious way of going about and promoting this and making this a, a successful endeavor. Because I assume on, on one hand, too, you want to make this as successful as possible for anthropology as well. Are there still stores available where people could go and take a picture and be kind of the first person in that city? Yeah, totally. And if you do, you get 20% off my website, which yeah. is, All right. I don't usually give discounts. So that was, everyone was very excited about that. We're going to have to get an updated list uh, from you when this, uh, when this episode goes live so that if okay. any listeners are out there in a place where you, you know, you, you haven't got a picture of that store yet, they can go out there. Oh, How much yeah, longer so. will your stuff, do you know, like, will they run it for a specific amount of time? Yeah, so I think like end of July is when they'll start phasing it out, but it'll also, I think it'll go into the sales section, so you, it'd still be available. I know in a, most of the coastal stores, it's obviously doing a little bit better than maybe in the inland, but, but it's been really fun to see, especially here in Charleston. I went in the other day to just pick up one of the plates to give as a gift to somebody. And it was so cute. There were a couple of people in there and they were like, is this you? And <laughs> I was like, yeah, it is. And I think they kind of thought I would be a little snobby about it. And I was like, this is crazy, isn't it? So yeah. I'm just as like blown away by it all as everyone else. It's kind of nuts. Yeah, we'll have to, we're actually going to have to push up the episode release so that people have the opportunity to go in and actually see your your work in in the anthropology stores if they want to and if you're not near an anthropology store i think krista got most of the stuff online because we're, yeah. we're over on the eastern shore so we're not i mean we're relatively close to annapolis but yep, i think she ordered stuff online. online yeah so you can go online and find that stuff so that i mean that's incredible i think that's just you know, and hopefully this is the start of an ongoing relationship maybe with anthropology or gives you the confidence. I mean, I think at the very least, right, it's validation of what Curtis was pushing you towards uh, at the right. beginning of the year, that you're totally ready to go out and reach out to some of these longer <laughs> or these larger companies for collaborations. As a, So as we transition, as we close here, I do want to ask you sort of a non-business question here. And it's mostly, it's about staying inspired. And I know uh, something that you mentioned towards the, the beginning of the interview a number of times was, was that you go out and you create series. And just following your work, I occasionally see you in different coastal areas. So recently you mentioned Cape Cod, but you've been to other places too, where you yeah. create series of works around that, those locations. Is that part of staying inspired, just getting out and going to different different areas? Yeah, that's a huge part of staying inspired. I love traveling. And one of the things that I think always intrigues me about the water is it looks so different in different places. And the terrain around it is so different. And that was what was so cool about going to Cape Cod and doing these little travel paintings, because it's a rocky coast, there's marsh, but it's, it looks different than the low country, the trees are different, and just sort of like the feeling and the colors are different. So that's, for me, yeah, traveling is huge. I love doing these little series based off of places I've been and that I love and try to capture that feeling of how it was while I was there. And like the people I met, the shops I was in, so it's kind of all that feeling goes into these pieces. And And then sometimes, I mean, I work pretty much nine to five every day, like a normal job, aside from when I'm traveling. And so some of staying inspired is just taking a walk or 
even going to friends' studios and seeing what they're working on. Obviously, I love boating, so going out and kind of boating through the marsh or going to the beach, stuff like that kind of always gets me excited and inspired all over again. But I do, I'm like a big advocate of creatives need to, it's important to like understand that it's a job. And so there's going to be times where you're not inspired and you still got to work. And whether you're painting or not, I think that's true. And so sometimes, basically, usually the way I structure my day is from nine to noon, I'll do business stuff. So like emails and marketing stuff and contacting blogs or working with magazines, stuff like that. And then I'll eat lunch. And then after lunch, I feel like I can take a deep breath and do some painting. And obviously that fluctuates depending on like what deadlines I have and what I have going on. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a bad day or I feel funky about painting, then really just like a walk around the city or even like, I know this is like such a girl thing, but going shopping, (laughs) like, like seeing like cool fabrics and textures and I don't know, there's tons of creatives in Charleston. So just getting out and like seeing new things helps me get inspired. So So one of the things that you mentioned was going to friends studios and seeing what they're working on. Has that ever been a source of, I don't know, whatever the opposite is of, of inspiration, you know, seeing somebody else's work and being like, Oh man, that is such a brilliant piece of work or brilliant idea. And, yeah. and thinking I'm I'm just dry out of them right now, like <laughs> yeah. because you work I, in a studio with a lot of other talented artists as well. Totally, right? yeah. I would say sometimes. I mean, I my personality in general, I would say, doesn't like turn towards that. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll see people's work and I'm like, "You're a genius!" and "What am I doing?" <laughs> but it never bends towards stress. I'm just like, I gotta work hard. I gotta get going because, like. You know, I know that, you know, so-and-so is creating this amazing thing and I got to get going and find my amazing thing. So it's more like encouraging than it is frustrating, but I definitely have days where it's silly, but I I have a ton of art books. So like Van Gogh, Monet, all the masters and almost looking at those makes me more anxious. And I'm like, I'm never going to be as good as Van Gogh, but like also it's Van Gogh. So, well, also, (laughs) I mean, I I feel like you have a little bit of a history here. All right. Yeah. Uh, just judging from from this, where you say something like that, and then all of a sudden the opposite happens. You know, you're not ready yeah. to reach out to companies, and all of a sudden a company reaches out to you. But you know, one of the things that I thought th- that that's sticking with me from earlier in this interview is just th- this concept that you know you're going to create pieces of work that don't turn out that nobody's ever going to see, and and you just understand that that's part of the process. And I think that's inspiration for me because you know I I tend to err on the side of you know, just feeling stuck, you know, but really what I need to do is just is create so that I can get to those better pieces. Yeah. And I think this pertains more to an artist, but sometimes it helps me to switch things up. And, you know, instead of working really large, I'll work really small or I'll do like a little watercolor on paper. One of the things I also try to do is push myself out of just my painting medium. So I'll do a lino cut print, which is you take linoleum and kind of carve out basically a stamp. And so just little things like that, that, you know, when I'm feeling exhausted or tired of what I'm doing, pushes me out of it and gets me kind of going in a new direction and helps me get out of my slump. So 
What are, you know, I guess one other question, how much does Curtis get to hang out in the business? You know, it sounds like he has a, you know, a relatively active role in terms of at least the planning, you know, at the beginning of the year and just, I'm sure being supportive. Yeah, totally. It's so funny. He, Curtis is introverted and I'm extroverted. So he would probably say he has nothing to do with it because all he does is really <laughs> listen. But I, I need somebody to talk to and like roll through our ideas with because I can't get through things if I don't talk it all out. And so it's, it's Curtis and it's the girls in my studio because I mean, our, our walls only go three quarters of the way up. So I'm yelling constantly over the walls to <laughs> Teal and Lulu and Raven and Jane and, and asking them questions. And it's really great working in a studio with women that are just create this community around each other. And because you know, they'll come in and say, I really like this piece, you know, push this one harder because I don't see it quite yet. And it doesn't feel mean. Like I can, t I can take that criticism really well because I know that they love me and they want me to be, be the best artist that I can be. And so they're kind of helping push that. So I would say it's, it's Curtis, but it's also the girls in the studio that really helped me kind of stay on track and work through ideas and tell me, you know, when I need to push things harder, when I need to just stop right there because something looks awesome or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, it's just great to, to have people like that in your life and throughout your life, you know, like uh, going back to Lorenzo. So where can people find more about you? I mean, they can walk into an anthropology store and figure yep. out more about <laughs> you for sure. They can go online and order your, any of that dishware stuff from anthropology online. But if people want to go to some places where specifically they can find out about you, where can they go? Yeah. So they can go to blakelymade.com. Blakely, B-L-A-K-E-L-Y-M-A-D-E. -E. And that's where I sell all uh, most of my artwork. And I have prints on there, a few little products. So that's kind of where I sell the bulk of my stuff. But also probably the best way to follow along is either signing up for my email list or following me on Instagram. Instagram is same thing, at Blakely Made. And that's kind of where I keep people updated with upcoming series because I – I release things on my website about a month after I start to create them. So yeah, I think probably Instagram is the best way, but the email list and website are also good avenues. Okay. Awesome. And uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us for this episode. And again, if you uh, you sh if you're near Anthropology Store, you need to go take a picture with one of the dishware items from Blakely's line and make sure you tag her in the post. And like Blakely said, you get 20% off of anything in your store, right? Yep. Anything in the store. All right. Awesome. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was great fun. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to deviancrista.com.